You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This is the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you gotta repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen, after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We want to thank you for joining us as fireworks go off in the background. Because we're that excited to have you guys listen to us. Again, we're the Rain of Jays. Me, John Corrales, Jay King walking around the streets of Boston to an undisclosed location, Sam Jam Packard. And, uh, you know, we, it's off season. So crazy things like Jay walking through fireworks is going to happen. Uh, how you feeling over there, Jay? I'm feeling great. You know, little kids are jubilant out here. Jubilant? And, uh, their attitude is just really rubbing off on me. I'm, I'm feeling high on life right now. Yeah. Feeling better. Cause you... Fireworks just make everyone happy, man. <laughs> well, all right. We got, uh, we got a few things that we're going to turn into a podcast here. Kyrie Irving is ready. He says he'll be ready for training camp. Uh, he It was also revealed today that he has a little bit more of a history with uh, Gordon Hayward than we pr- previously knew, although we knew a little bit about it. Jalen Brown living the best life uh, going through Southeast Asia on a, whatever NBA tour that he's on. And Sam's hot take later on. Woo! So ready for it. Let's just start with the simple news uh, Kyrie, and we'll, we can work the hot take into this if we want. Kyrie's going to be ready for training camp. He said he's, he's, he's ready. He's just about clear for five on five. This is great because Gordon Hayward is, is on his path to playing five on five if he hasn't already. So we're going to go into training camp, fellas, with a full, theoretically healthy squad. That's exciting. Yeah, the squad, the ambition starting training camp with last year, essentially. Uh, I mean, a couple guys are out. Greg Monroe, RIP to his short-lived Celtics career. And the Robert Williams comes in. But other than that, it's basically the same team. Finally. Finally. Oh, fireworks, man. We got, we got some loud fireworks. Those sound over. like real legit fireworks, too. Like some, somebody sprung for the good ones. And they're right next to me. It's kind of like... Uh, you know, the fireworks that the Celtics always promised, and then they got Kyrie and Hayward so, <laughs> and Horford. Uh, so it's kind so, of like Al Horford signing out here. <laughs> <laughs> as uh, important as the first big-name free agent. <laughs> uh, so, all right, so the Celtics go into camp, and it's not just going into camp with the team that they thought they were going to have last year. They now go into camp with Jalen Brown, who, you know, the year one to year two jump we've talked about, and now everybody's excited for what he's going to do year three. Jason Tatum coming in, having a tremendous rookie season. Whoa, (laughs) that was a good one. Yeah, fireworks are loud. I might want to 
put on the mute, but I kind of. No, I'll keep it, man. I like it. Keep, keeps it on your feet. No, the, the, the Lockdown Celtics podcast uh, with background explosions is very on brand. I should have just said people are just following me around, lighting off fireworks everywhere because they heard the Lockdown Celtics was recording in the streets tonight. Yeah. <laughs> just celebrate. Stepping out of the streets of, uh, uh, what were you, in the South End? South End, yeah. Following you around with Roman candles. Yeah, although I'm moving from the south end soon. Ooh, where are you going? You finally getting that uh, mansion in Brighton? Uh, I'm, no, I'm moving to Assembly Row, right on the orange line, though, which oh. is huge. Straight to the garden, baby. Sweet. Sweet. Uh, well, that's good. So now everybody knows where to uh, stalk Jay King for autographs later on. It's right off the orange line. You can get right to his house. If you want to stalk Jay King, hang out around the Assembly Orange Line stop. You'll see him there. <laughs> Yeah, if, if you're that interested in saying hello to me, which would be really humiliating for you, then <laughs> you could do that. Hey, while we're here, I want to give a shout out to Jacob Klein, who I was in Atlantic City last night, and I'm walking down the boardwalk, and I get a DM from this dude who's like in Atlantic City. He's like, huge Rain and Jays fan. I want to come hang out. We never got a chance to connect, but if you're listening to the podcast, Jacob, Thanks for trying to connect. We're everywhere, man. It's kind of cool. It is kind of cool to go places and have people just, no matter where you are, people go, oh, hey, I'm a Celtics fan. I'm going to listen to the podcast. So, I mean, it's not Jay King-level fireworks, but it's still cool. <laughs> so, Shout out to the people at Summer League who bought me beers, too. I, I've never gotten free beers before. This is a new experience. It was dope. It's very good. This is the, You know, this podcast thing is paying off a little bit. You know, free beers is a, is a nice little start. It's a nice little perk. So, okay, so the Celtics go into training camp with kind of like a a juiced up version of what they like last year's team in this year's training camp. The expectations, first of all, are have never been higher. This is this is the best team, the highest expectations that Brad Stevens has ever had to deal with, which I think is going to be interesting kind of subplot to to the, at least the beginning of the season that I'm not that I expect Brad, Brad Stevens to have any sort of issue dealing with it, but this is a completely new experience for Brad Stevens to come into a season, any season, anywhere, with a team that's so stacked that people expect them to get to a championship level. Uh, not not in college, not in the pros. Has he ever had a team that's been this good? So it'll be interesting to see the dynamic, the different challenges that come up when you're dealing with a bunch of players who are really, really good, that know they're really good, who are expected to be good. So I think it's just something to kind of keep an eye on, I suppose, for lack of a better term, going into this you, season. Do you think there's going to be like a playing time issue or guys being upset with having like a lesser role? I know if they're winning, it's probably uh, less likely to happen. But like if you think about it, there's like what would be the Celtics like closing five right now? Do you even include Marcus Smart in that? And then who are you taking off the court? There's a lot of guys expecting like big minutes, uh, including guys on the bench like Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, and Marcus Morris, I'd say to an extent. And then you're probably going to play Baines a lot because he's your best defensive five. There's just a, a whole lot more talent. It's one of them good problems to have. But um, I was just, I think the the, the closing five question was uh, interesting. Uh, like, is Marcus Smart even in your closing five uh, down the stretch, like last five minutes? I don't think so. I think Marcus Smart's out. I know Brad Stevens loves Marcus Smart in crunch time. 
just thinks he knows the offense, knows the defense, knows everything they're trying to do. And obviously he's made a host of winning plays, but who do you play him over? Kyrie, no. Gordon Hayward, no. Al Horford, no. Jalen Brown, I don't think so. Jason Tatum, no. So, Well, let me ask you this. There were times this season when Jason Tatum got benched in crunch time, but I don't see it happening moving forward. I think I think that those times are, are going to dwindle at the very least and probably totally disappear. Well, let me, let me ask you guys this. I, I mean, I, I think it might be situational. When if, if the Celtics are up two and coming out of a timeout with however many seconds on the clock, it's, it's an end-of-game situation. Do you, do you put Kyrie Irving on the floor in that situation? I don't. I think you, you throw Marcus Smart out there and you throw an all-defensive lineup. You, you do your, your most switchable defensive lineup, and it would probably be Smart, Hayward, uh, and then maybe Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, or Jalen Brown, Marcus Morris, and Al Horford, some, some kind of lineup like that. But if, if you need a stop, if you need to have that one stop, I wouldn't put Kyrie Irving on the floor. I'd go with your big reach bulldog defensive lineup. Wouldn't you? Yeah, if you need one stop. But if a possession is going to bleed into another one, you're going to want Kyrie out there. If you don't have a timeout or whatever the case may be, you're going to want Kyrie out there. And if you don't have Kyrie out there, you're going to have a pissed off superstar who's going to hit free agency a year from now. That's so. and that's where I'm going with that actually, because th- there are situations where I can see Brad saying, "Okay, here's a defensive lineup. Whatever that defensive lineup is, you got to throw them out there. If you go offense to defense, and you're going to be taking some guys off the floor that want to be on the floor, but in the name of if if you're sitting there saying we're going to put the best five out there that that's going to give us a chance to win the game, if you're going offense defense in in, in these crazy timeouts, I can see." Marcus Smart being on the floor, and if it, if it does bleed into an offensive possession, you could be okay with Marcus Smart running, or you just have Hayward running the point, and you figure it out. But there, there's there are, are options that Brad Stevens is going to have, but the big question is going to be, if Kyrie ends up on the bench for some portion of that, how is that going to affect him? Is he going to be happy with that? If it works, is he going to be okay with that? Can, can, I, can I jump in here? No, there there may <laughs> there may be times when Kyrie doesn't play for like one final possession when they just need to stop and there's three seconds left and sure put Kyrie on the bench. He's not going to get benched in normal situations. That's just not going to happen. There's no chance Kyrie Irving is going to be sitting during crunch time. So I I I think more likely it would be Jalen Brown or even Jason Tatum more so than the the three established guys. And I, I honestly believe it'll be Marcus Smart that that's pushed out of it. I, I think those other two guys, Brown and Tatum, they're they're going to be great, and and they've already grown a lot, and they're going to keep growing. And the possibilities that you have with such so many wings and big wings in a closing lineup is is really tough. And not only that, but five guys who are forty percent three point shooters or very close to it, they're, they're going to be so tough to stop. I think that's going to be the best lineup by a million miles. And I think it's going to be one of the best lineups in the NBA. I agree. I mean, I, I think that I think the starting five is going to be maybe the second best. I've said it a million times now. The second best starting lineup in the NBA this year. So. All right, but here's the hot take: Who's the best player? Who's going to be the best player on the Celtics next season? See that that's I. I 
I think we share the same thing. I'm a big believer in Gordon Hayward. I think by the time the season ends, people will be saying that Gordon Hayward was the best player this this season. When we hit the playoffs or when we're watching the parade, we'll look back and we'll say Hayward was probably the best player on the Celtics this season. There'll be a debate, but I think he, he ends up being the guy. I, I mean, I, I still think Kyrie for what he brings to your offense is just, he's special. And I, I know there are the defensive limitations. I know Gordon Hayward's a better, he's a more all-around player. I don't want to say better all-around player. I hate people who say, oh, he's the best two-way player in the league. No, the best two-way player in the league is just the best player in the league. And <laughs> like it's not just like, oh, Paul George may be the best two-way player in the league. No, the hell he's not, because he's not the best player in the league. Um <laughs> That was that was a quick quick little rant for you. So, <laughs> I, I think Jordan Hayward is has a more rounded game. Al Horford has a more rounded game. I think Kyrie is the best player on their roster. I think Jason Tatum will end up one day being the best player on this team. I'm not sure what point, what time that point comes, um, but I don't think he's going to surpass any of the three All Stars in front of him this season it's really about how much you value like Kyrie's elite scoring versus the like, I guess all around games of like Horford and uh Hayward and then Horford's uh, especially defense like Horford was the key to the entire Celtics defense last year the league's best defense I don't know as much about Hayward's defensive uh abilities but he's supposed to be pretty good like their versatility their ability to kind of guard multiple positions i think just horford being it being able to play the 5 and like be the offensive threat he is and then still be able to guard fives is a like there's a lot of value in that so i understand you like need kyrie cuz dude was elite scorer and i'm not saying like i wouldn't want kyrie on the team or want him i would probably take him over um every other point guard in the league except for steph curry in terms of just like offense and uh what he brings to the team that way but that is what he is. He's an elite scorer, and it, you could have more value to another team. That's why it was a very lukewarm hot take I put out there on Twitter. I had to preface <laughs> it as a hot take, and I said Kyrie might be the fourth best Celtic. It was uh, it was weak sauce. So, so in your in your your weak hot take was it Tatum third? Yes. So okay. I mean, it's another thing. I think Tatum's go like that good of a scorer, and then he's also long as hell and gets a lot of rebounds and is pretty good defender. It's mostly it's just Kyrie can can only guard po- other point guards where everyone else can like do more things on defensive end. And I think that's there's a lot of value in that. I don't know how to quantify it versus like Kyrie's elite scoring ability on one-on-one, but I think in terms of all-around game, it's like you were saying, either you're uh the best player in the league, like the two-way player thing is bullshit. Kyrie's not a two-way player, thus he shouldn't be counted or like compared to the guys who are two-way players. But but to, okay, and I think this is another layer of the conversation where where things get totally difficult to to quantify, and that's deep in the playoffs, especially how easy is it to take away what you do? And Kyrie, what he does, what he's done as a scorer his entire career, there's no defense that can stop him. There's no defense that's ever been built that can slow down Kyrie Irving. He played against probably the best team ever. One of the one of the best defenses of the last 10, 15 years. And he mutilated them. Like, he destroyed the Warriors. And obviously LeBron James was alongside him. LeBron James isn't alongside him anymore. But 
I think there's a real value in the fact that the deeper the playoffs go, his value as a scorer does not diminish. Now, obviously, he's going to get targeted more by great players. Teams are going to pun- try to punish him with switches, everything like that. I think the Celtics are really well constructed to try to fend off those attacks. Um, but I also like, okay, Tristan Thompson, right? He's kind of done a good job of limiting Al Horford in the past. And I think there are ways that teams guard the Celtics where Al Horford can be limited. And it's not always. And obviously he's been fantastic through the playoffs in each of his first two years with Boston. But I, I just think that Kyrie's skill is less touchable by other teams, if that makes sense, and especially deeper in the playoffs. That makes sense. His value rises in the playoffs where his like eliteness stands out because you need elite talent because you're going up against the best talent. I think that's a fair argument to be made. Is so um, as you can tell, like I, there's no heat to this take. I'm just hedging entirely. <laughs> it's going to yeah, be really hard to tell which player is the best. And I'm not even sure how to rank those guys. Like they're all really good, and they all they're all totally different, uh, which is what makes the Celtics really an interesting team. And in some ways, shit. Hayward, Brown, and Tatum are very similar, and Horford, too. You can throw him in there defensively, uh, which is going to make them – their versatility is just going to be ridiculous this year. That, that five is going to do so many awesome things that it's going to be outrageous to watch. Yeah, I think when, when I say that Gordon Hayward, I think, is going to be the best player on the Celtics by the end of the season, I, I do think that it's that he does do a lot more. And, I look, I think – Obviously, Kyrie's an elite scorer, and this is not a knock on Kyrie. I think Kyrie's going to be exactly as good as everybody thinks he is. What I'm saying is, when it comes to Hayward, I just think he has the ability to do a lot of that same stuff. Obviously, not the ball handling, but still be an elite-level scorer and do a lot of the other other things. I just think people are going to see a very varied, versatile game out of out of Hayward. And the it's not going to be like uh, so blatantly obvious i think Kyrie's going to be awesome and everyone else is going to be awesome and this will all be up for debate and going back to the thing that everybody always says and, and jam's been saying it it's a good problem to have like this is exactly like this kind of debate is the type of debate that you have on a championship caliber team who's the best player and you can't figure it out because but you, every one of these guys will have a, a chance to stake his claim to that title and it will be a very uh a very legitimate case every one of these guys gonna have a legitimate case for being the best player on the celtics at some point here so uh hold on so i got another hot take ooh. i'm ready to. i hope this have, one's hotter it is um do you think so we're talking about all these expectations and how good the roster is and how deep the team is and how there's gonna be a lot of talent do you think the celtics can beat the warriors in the NBA Finals? Because it feels like the expectation is to make the Finals. Do you think they can beat the Warriors? Because I'm ready to talk myself into it. (laughs) I I was was wondering where the hot take was going to come from. I think they can do it. You can't just say I'm going to come with a hot take and then just ask a question. Uh, Yeah, I got lost in that. I I had to come in at the end, but I I realized that as I was going, I tried to improvise. I I think they can. Um, They certainly won't be favored uh i don't think like they they can they would have to have a lot of things go right but they it really if their defense remains as good as it was this past season then they are the one team out there 
that has the ability to, I don't want to say stop some of these guys, but has the best chance to to stop some of these guys. And like they they are switchable. They the, everybody the, the whole point about switching is to be able to uh, stay in front of these guys and, and limit Durant trying to limit as best you can Durant getting to the basket. And, and they'll have opportunities to do that. If you switch on the Celtics, the the mismatch you're going to hunt out is is Kyrie Irving, which it, it's it's not going to be so blatant that. It, it's it's something you go to every single time down the floor, like like uh, this past season when LeBron got switches on Rozier. Like it's not going to be that kind of result. The Celtics have a really good chance at at least making things uncomfortable for the Warriors. Does that mean they're going to win the series? Probably not, but they can. They have a chance. They'll they'll have a chance in every one of those games. They are not going to get blown out in any one of those games. I mean, it's super early championship talk, but assuming they get there, I think they have a good shot. I think they're the second best team in the league. I think they have to be thought of that way. And if anyone has a chance at beating the Warriors, which I think uh, the Celtics do, uh, it's going to be them. They have the great defense. I don't expect them to take a, a huge drop defensively. And they're adding what could be a, a very good offense. Did you guys see the uh, – the, the, uh, it was a clip um, – Someone retweeted the other day about of the Celtics preseason game against the Hornets last year where they five different starters scored on the first five possessions and it was like the best offense ever. It was like the early erotic city stuff. Um, I think the Celtics offense has the potential to be damn good, damn good this year. And that's why I think they have a chance against the Warriors because they have the defense and then they st- I still think they're going to have the ability to kind of score with one of the better offenses in the league. Will their defense be that good though? I think that's a legitimate question. Because obviously you're going to be moving Baines from the first unit to the second unit. You're going to be playing smaller a lot. You're going to you're going to have, you know, just I, I think they'll probably play small almost all the time. So yes, the offense will be miles better than it was last season when it finished 18th in efficiency. But can you main? How much of that defense can you maintain while playing small all the time? And obviously the Celtics have a lot of defensive-minded players. Obviously, very clearly, they have. Out of their top 11 guys who are all good, really good, uh, or mostly good to really good, 10 of them are probably plus defenders for their positions. Kyrie, probably the lone exception, unless I'm missing somebody. Uh, so they, their defense has a chance to be really good, but I think downsizing and doing it especially more often with the starting unit and limiting Baines' minutes, which I think is going to happen, and especially limiting the minutes of the Horford-Baines duo, which was, statistically speaking, one of the best two-man combos defensively in the NBA last season. I think that's going to have a big impact. Now, the beginning question, can they beat the Warriors? I think there's a chance. There's a chance of anything happening. I was trying to kind of wrestle with this, whether in a normal year, when there's not a NBA dynasty out there, would they be the favorites? And it, it's hard because we haven't really seen many teams like the Celtics this, this season where they have legitimately maybe five potential all-stars or five guys with all-star type of talent. And then, you know, they have their, their bench is going to be super deep. But historically speaking, teams that win a title have that guy 
that's first or second team All-NBA. In most cases, first team All-NBA. And the Celtics don't have that guy. Jason Tatum could become that guy one day. Kyrie Irving was, I think, on his way to being an All-NBA guard this season. But they don't have that, like, top five player that most championship teams have. And that the, the Warriors have two of them plus two other All-NBA type guys. Uh, I guess with DeMarcus Cousins, three if he's healthy. So, I, I, But aren't the Celtics, like, without that top guy, the best designed team to, like, like if you don't have a top five player, you're going to want to do what the Celtics have and have five potential all-stars. And, have, like, you're right. I think historically it's been hard for teams to win without, like, the that one superstar. But, like, it's happened. The Pistons uh, did it in 04. Like, you can – I just think that, like, without that superstar who only – what? Because there'd be whoever like LeBron's on, whatever James Harden's team, and maybe Giannis at this point. I don't know like who else you would count as like the the clear cut uh, first team All NBA guys. Without those guys, you're gonna want to put together a, a team with basically five All Stars and then a bench that could probably make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Didn't we have a podcast whether we talked about whether they could make the playoffs? Yes. Or no? Yeah, well, <laughs> I like the quick turnaround on that when when it helps your point. <laughs> hey, look, I I think the Celtics, Jay, your point is is valid, but I think the Celtics team is constructed a little differently, and uh, I I I think that guys like Hayward and Kyrie, especially in the East now, have the potential to have such great seasons this year that they could be All NBA level talent. And so I think that they have that that opportunity to to be a contender to 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 beat the Warriors. The Warriors obviously would have the two best players in the series, but the Celtics have a lot more depth. Uh, I, I I think that there's a, a strong possibility that they can go out there and make that a series. Like they they certainly wouldn't get swept. I think that would be an interesting series, and they would have a chance to win it. But, of course, that's all theoretical in, at the end of July. We'll have to see these guys go out there and, and what happens. The, the, the Warriors could – who knows what could happen to the Warriors between now and then. Maybe, maybe things aren't going great in their, in their locker room. Maybe there, there are things that are, are going to, to make it difficult for them. There's, maybe Draymond and Cousins brawl every single day. Maybe. You know, to the death. Like <laughs> – they're gonna have, they're gonna have their own unique challenges. <laughs> Cops finally got onto Jay. Uh, they are going to have their own unique challenges in Golden State. They're gonna I had be, to mute the mic there. That's too, fine. Too, too many ambulances driving by. Uh, I thought it was the cops. That's because those kids were playing with those fireworks, weren't being safe at all. <laughs> those aren't kids. Those are Rain and Jay's fans, man. <laughs> well, they should practice more safety. Agreed. Uh, so we'll see. There, this is a topic for another time. I think I think there's a possibility that the Warriors could be their own worst enemy this year. They're, they have – I don't know that they're going to even give a shit about the regular season. Uh, and and who knows if what that's going to mean for the playoffs. They certainly can flip a switch, but who knows. Um, and, and I don't know what the hell is going on in, in Kevin Durant's head. So maybe maybe he gets into too many fights in DMs with 17-year-olds, and that distracts him. He's addicted to the gram. He said he's always on the gram. He's a gram addict. I guess. I guess. Uh, he looks at every single t- picture that he's tagged in and every single DM. 
That's wild. That he's he he needs to stop doing that. That's probably distracting. That's that's tough. I mean, yeah, that's another topic for that. But yeah, he probably should chill out on that a little bit. Like that's anyway. Uh, should mention quickly that uh, today, uh, David Griffin, the former Cavs GM, came out and mentioned that Kyrie Irving, when he was in Cleveland before LeBron re-signed with Cleveland, got a commitment from Gordon Hayward as a, a restricted free agent. Now, he didn't end up signing the offer sheet. He ended up signing the offer sheet in Charlotte, and Utah matched and all of that. But he says that Kyrie got a commitment from Hayward before LeBron re-signed, and then LeBron came back, and Hayward had to go get his his offer sheet somewhere else. But a little interesting, just a little interesting nugget there that Kyrie had that kind of pull with Gordon Hayward. And when we look at people, you know, talking about Kyrie leaving, well, Kyrie, they're saying he he might leave because he wants to play with whoever, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler or whomever, but. He wanted to play with Gordon Hayward, recruited Gordon Hayward, and got a commitment allegedly from Gordon Hayward, and now he's on the same team with Gordon Hayward in Boston. So it's another guy that he recruited to come play with him. So I, I guess is a, a sign that he – why would he want to leave Boston? It's, it's a guy that he wanted to play with. There are probably a lot of guys around the NBA that Kyrie wants to play with, right? Sure. Like, if, if I looked at the NBA roster, I'd be like, oh, I'd like to play with Durant. And it'd be cool to play with Stephen Curry. Yeah. And shit, Draymond Green, he'd probably be fun to play with too, always getting stops and setting the table for everybody else. There are so many guys that these guys want to play with. It's just the matter of what situation is best for you. What are you prioritizing at that point in time in your life? And I think we, we've seen the priorities can change. I think like with LeBron, how much did it change? He went from wanting to go back to Cleveland and wanting to add more titles to his resume to now it seems like he's on to the next phase of his career, whether it's for family, because his, his kids like L.A., his wife likes L.A., or being a part of the Lakers. Whatever his priorities are now, it seems different, because that roster isn't built to win a title, and yet he's there. So I, I think priorities can change. Everything can change. I do think it's interesting that Kyrie tried to lure Gordon Hayward to Cleveland. I think it's kind of hilarious that LeBron just – like re- reached in and was like, ah, I'm going to go here. So all those plans you had, they're, they're, they're done. It doesn't matter anymore. Um, and then the other part of it, Gordon Hayward was never going to leave Utah. He was a restricted free agent at the time. So even if Kyrie was hoping to get Gordon Hayward to Cleveland, it wasn't going to happen because Utah was going to match no matter what. I think we have no idea what's going to happen with Kyrie, but there's no reason to in, like indicate that he's unhappy with the Celtics. Like he praises Brad Stevens, he gets to play with Gordon Hayward. Like he seems to be like good uh, relationships with like uh, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, and Jason Tatum. Like it just feels like there's no real reason why he like would leave at this point. But is the NBA and like you said, Jay, things can change. Like. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? That's what makes the NBA great. Is this like sometimes the Warriors are going to get boogie and then like the whole Kawhi situation. There was something that was like every member of like the, what was it, 2015 All-Star team is like not every member, but like 80% of them are on different teams right now. The NBA is wild. So there's nothing we can really talk about in terms of like whether or not Kyrie's going to stay now. I just think it's like how he's feeling uh, at the time of his free agency and that I think he'll go back to the Celtics, but who knows? He's a weird dude. Yeah, 
I mean, it, it, exactly. Who knows what the hell he's going to do? <laughs> Who the hell knows? But uh, it just a nice a, a little thing to throw into the ether that it shows um, that he's playing with a guy that he wanted to play with because all the rumors are out there that he wants to go to New York or, or whatever. And it, it's who knows who the hell knows. So we'll leave it at that. I'm sure that topic is going to come up a ton. Let's end it with Jalen Brown living his best life out in Indonesia on, I, I guess, Jay, do you know, is, is he on some kind of like NBA tour or something? Cause I see him. He's got his Celtic stuff on. He's always talking. <laughs> it looks some- like it. He's always giving chats and stuff. It's probably some NBA thing. I thought he was just on a Juice World tour and is is like promoting the Juice brand. He he could be on a Juice World tour. And I, let's call it the Juice World tour, no matter what. I'm in. I'm in on that. I, sure. I like the Juice World tour. Um, that's definitely gonna be moved into Celtics lexicon. Yeah. But yeah, I, it's cool because he's always said he's always been a man of many interests, and then you see what he does every summer. It's like, oh, he's in Indonesia, and uh, oh, he's in Dubai, and it's like. Oh, he's on a safari or whatever, whatever the case may be. He just really does. He likes to explore as many cultures as possible, and he takes it all in. And he kind of does what a lot of people with money would do, and he still works out on top of it, still works his ass off. So Jalen Brown just, just lives the life. I went to Block Island in Rhode Island this summer, or this weekend. And, uh, Did you give like, any yeah. speeches to, uh, to kids asking you about basketball? And it's like, do you sign autographs for the local youth? I I can't say that there were any local youth asking me for autographs. Uh, however, they they did come around and do fireworks behind me. Today, so. <laughs> That's just going to be everywhere Jay goes. Like going into a game, coming off of the train in Boston, he's going to come off that orange line. There's going to be people behind him with sparklers and Roman candles. It's Jay's posse. Yep. I just got my posse. Me and my posse. <laughs> Uh, I'm loving, I'm loving the Jalen Brown experience. I think he's, he really is. I'm not even joking when I say living his best life. I mean, he's doing, he's doing exactly what I, I would, I would do. I mean, shit. Imagine being out there, just traveling the world, travel the world, play basketball, and take your Instagram photos. Like this, just, it's just, it's amazing. He's having an amazing time, and he's, it's so much fun to see. It's great. His life, and then, lit. his life is quite lit. And then his counterpart, Jason Tatum's out there training with uh, Kobe, Kobe Bryant. Bryant. Yeah. Which is very meme worthy and awesome at the same time. I love it. I yeah. mean, you imagine being 20 years old and like the guy you idolize. It's like, yeah, let's, let's work out a little bit. Like you gotta be, you gotta be shitting me, man. He must've been, that must've been so amazing for him. Even though it's Kobe, say what you want about Kobe, but I don't care. Like, just going up and, and like, talking to your idol and, like, me and Kevin McHale, like, yeah, let's, let's go work on some post moves. Like, I would just, I would shit myself. I just couldn't. My, my favorite part of, of, of that picture coming out were the people scared that Kobe is somehow going to wreck Jason Tatum by teaching, <laughs> by teaching him to, to become, like, a, a one-on-one guy and a non-team player, like, First of all, Kobe Bryant, whatever you think about his basketball mentality and the way he played the game itself, one of the most skilled, most polished players ever. And I think that even though Kobe... Oh, got some, some loud music going on next to me. 
Even though Kobe was... Oh, that's a concert. I'm walking by a concert right now. <laughs> Shouts to the concert. I don't, I don't know who's in concert right now, but somebody is. See, I got fire. life's lit. Got... You're, you're like Jalen Brown, man, just stumbling into a concert. Yeah, I just don't put as much of it on the gram. I don't, I don't live life for the gram as much as he does. Uh, but, but Kobe knows, he knows more about the game than anyone. And I think sometimes he probably got in his own way a little bit where he knew the right play to make and didn't always make it. But that guy, that guy was just a basketball genius. And his skill level, his knowledge of, of what to do it, to, to attack a defense. And there are so many things you can learn from him. And I, I think obvious, obviously it's a good thing. And the people who think otherwise just crack me up. The guy won five titles, an MVP, and is one of the 15 greatest, or whatever you want to say, players in basketball history. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. So Jake can go, go off to whatever concert fireworks thing that he's going to. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, if you enjoyed it enough, you can subscribe wherever you find your podcast, Locked On Celtics. Uh, search for that wherever you find your podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a good review and share the podcast. Uh, Jam, you want to take us out? This has been another episode of the Locked On Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.